you can tell how like nice and warm you guys are even on your podcast. I was oh, like, yeah, cool. I'm not gonna be intimidated. Uh-huh. Oh, that's good. And welcome back to another episode of Raj Nation Innovations Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan, aka the Raj Nation. I am your show's host, the founder of Raj Nation Innovation. I am also a hip hop artist and a yoga instructor. Above all else, I am a storyteller. And I am joined by my co host, Victoria Cohen. She is the voice behind the blog almondsandasana.com. She's also a yoga instructor and community activist focused on helping you make positive choices that impact you and the people you serve. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions. The questions that help creative thinkers like you and I better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. It's real talk with real people doing real big things to show you the real side of success. Now in this episode, we sit down with Kimberly Jackson. Kimberly is the founder of the tech startup Stand In, and our conversation stems around her background specifically and her experience, which is actually no experience within the startup realm. So our question for today is, how do you start with zero experience? Before we dive into our conversation, I want to extend an invitation, if you are not a member already, Join our tribe by heading to www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. On our homepage there, you can enter your email address and join our tribe, which means you will get an email in your inbox every single Monday so you never miss an episode again. You'll also get my storytelling strategies for your startup throughout the week. All right, let's dive in now to our conversation with Kimberly Jackson from Stand In. How do you start with zero experience? Let's listen in. When I started the social app stand-in, that's what I heard a lot. It's an app, it's tech. I have, quote unquote, zero experience in tech. And every time I heard that, it was almost like debilitating. You know, if you're thinking, oh, I'm starting from nothing. How do I even start? I have zero experience all the time. And that's constantly what you're hearing. It is kind of hard to get started. But I look at it like we're never really starting from zero experience. We have something. If you lay out whatever project is in front of you, and break it down in pieces, there's something you know, something you can relate to, like, okay, I have to start an app. I have to hire a coding team because I don't know how to code, but I do have managing experience. I have hiring experience. I have tech experience in the sense that I use apps all the time, you know? It's not like I'm running into something totally blind, and I go from there. So the idea here is really, it's almost like zero experience is a false, Notion. Nomer, yeah, false notion. A misnomer, not a false nomer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a misnomer, a false notion, um, in the sense that unless you were literally just born yesterday, you exactly. have to have experience in some realm that can help you in some fashion. It might not be the direct thing. What did you find? So, in building this app, 
can you talk more about the like the experience you did have, how that enabled this thing to come to life? I think the first experience I had was knowing how to do a Google search. <laughs> and, and from there we built and I received quotes back and then looking at the quotes that were like six figures, I'm like, oh no, let's see the breakdown of this. And I realized one of the biggest costs were these things called wireframes. Googled what wireframes were and learned that they were basically the blueprint of your app. It's how it works, how it looks, what happens when you go push this button to that button. And I have an experience in another life as a wedding photographer. And albums are all digital. So I was designing albums already. So I'm like, oh, I can do a layout. And I'm very organized and structured. And, like, and I kind of figure out the flow I want from the apps I do use and what I like and don't like. And combined all those. I ended up buying software for $99. Took two weeks and just focused on wireframes. And when I was done, I sent those out to the companies I was looking at, and I got six bids back. Like, oh my gosh, the cost went down from three figures to like way less, like less than 50% of what I was originally quoted. Because I didn't say, I have no experience at all, let me just give this to all to someone else. I used the experience I did have, and it helped. Yeah, so really by just taking a little bit of extra effort, you brought costs from thousands down. And you spent 99 bucks on a software. Mm -hmm. You cut the workload out of whoever was going to design this, develop this thing by a significant amount, and ultimately save a whole lot of money in the process, right? Yes. I had two, um, both developed on iOS and Android. I had both of those done for less than the cost of one originally quoted. Wow. Nice. Yes. So that's something that I think is really important for like a lot of the first time founders who listen to this show. is. It's so easy, and this is something that I, I do my best to espouse on whoever I work with if I see them going down the other route. It's so easy to like just throw money away. It is when you have the money to throw away. Yeah, yeah. And actually, <laughs> yeah. And, and there's this whole, so that, 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 that's interesting you bring that up because um, Damon John, the investor, Google founder, he's on Shark Tank, he has this book called The Power of Broke. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, the book is okay, but the concept <laughs> is really strong. And the whole idea is that perhaps your greatest advantage is being broke because you're forced to get resourceful, you're forced to get scrappy, and you don't have the luxury of sitting and waiting and potentially just like pissing money away versus the person who is flush with cash. There's not, and, the, and I'll say the person who's broke too has a strong motivation to change their situation. Versus the person who has a lot of money, it's like, this thing could work, it couldn't, it doesn't really affect me either way. And if you don't have a strong inherent drive, you can just sit and wait, you can spend money here, spend money there, and end up you know, wasting a lot of money, a lot of time, and getting nowhere. Well, and I think the big thing is, is that like through that, you gained a whole new set of skills or experience that you didn't know you had. So now going into it next time, you're like, well, I know how to build wireframes or I know how to, you know, do these app flows or whatever it is, sort of this, you know, background um, setup. And I feel it's funny because like when I started my blog earlier this year, it was, it was very much the same thing. Like everyone said, oh, you should go on this site and that site and like hire a developer, you know, to, um, you know, to do all the graphics and to set it up and yada, yada. And I started looking and like, you know, I could have afforded to put some money in and do it, but I was like, gosh, it seems like 
WordPress has like decent layouts. You know, like I know if this blog turns into something big, it's gonna look different in a couple years anyways. I'm gonna have to change it, but like I just wanna start with something to start putting my content out there and to just start sort of seeing what sticks and you know, it, it doesn't have to be perfect to start, but it just needs to be good enough. And I kind of, and so I decided not to go the route of having anyone do it and to just like commit the time to just digging into WordPress and getting really frustrated <laughs> and, you know, but just taking the time to do it and Googling and, um, and I feel really good about what it is right now. I mean, it's definitely not perfect. There's things I'd like to change that, um, down the line, I probably, you know, would eventually hire someone to, to really do, do like the fancier work. But at this point, like, it's cool because now I feel like, wow, I know how to set a website up. I know how to add the, the widgets that I want and to organize it in the layout that I want. And I've gotten really great feedback. People think, it, people have asked me like, oh, who did you use? I'm like, I mean, it's, it's like a very simple template on <laughs> WordPress. And I really appreciate you think that I did something fancy, but Granada um, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but, but that I think too, in and of itself is really empowering. And that's like a big step in being like, okay, I can, I can do this. I am capable, even though I came in with what I thought was zero experience. Like I'm not a stupid person. Exactly. I can, I can do it. Well, and this is where for you, the, I think the engineer brain probably comes into play a lot. Like Kim was saying, like with her design background, she knows layouts and everything. You're kind of a neat freak, Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine when you're building that site, you're probably being pretty meticulous about the order and process of the yes. whole thing. Yep, exactly. And I find that when you start from zero or from scratch, it just gives you more power in a sense of knowing what you like and knowing what works. So when you do have to hire out, you have something to tell them to go on. You know what works for you and your blog or your company or your career. You just gain that experience and that's invaluable. Mm -hmm. I think also, have you, so, have you, so prior to this, did you work in like a team environment at a company? I did, I was supervisor of the department. Okay, so. so I think what happens a lot in the like team and group environments, I would say specifically at companies, um, versus like I don't know, a group of people getting together uh, just to like you know, hang out or whatever is you know you have other people you can ask so you become so much less self-reliant in fact you don't you aren't self-reliant and I can't tell you the number of times the last company I worked at you just like and I did this to people and people did it to me you get an email like hey can you send me this thing it's like you know if you would just take <laughs> 28 seconds and go into this folder. It's right there for you, but you just don't feel like doing it yourself. And that's and this is one of the advantages I think in the solo founder days. You know, when it's not when you don't have a team yet, when you're the leader, maybe you have like contracted developers, or you're just a straight up solo entrepreneur. You know, there are things that get annoying that you have to do everything yourself. But at the same time, you it yourself in a situation where you have to do or figure out everything yourself there isn't that person you can email to just send you this thing or just get that thing done for you and I think a lot of it you start to figure out you you figure things out even the things you don't know how to do you learn either how to do them or how do I how do I find how to do that thing and like I'll tell you even with this podcast right like I've been making music for years before this so I generally knew how to use GarageBand. I heard some of your music too. <laughs> <laughs> on nice. the last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So uh, I generally know how to use GarageBand, but then only because of this podcast did I figure out 
and it took a while. It took like a 30-something episodes, probably, maybe a little bit more than that, to realize there's something you have to do with exporting the file to get the audio to sound the same as like if you were to listen to a song and not have the volume be several decibels lower than any other track you would listen to. And that's because I, you just kind of like force yourself into the situation. You have to learn. And I think in that case, I actually was just Googling something and then I stumbled across it. So it's, it's creating an environment where you have to for, you're forced to learn the thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I, I definitely identify with that over the last like six months in, in, in the whole blogging thing and there's, and with social media. I mean, you know, I've, yeah. I've had an Instagram and, and all that and I always posted on it, but I obviously wasn't like trying to get engagement or, you know, trying to grow anything. And so now just learning so much more about the strategy behind it and um, it's, it's, a whole new skill that I yes. feel like will be really beneficial, but it's a muddy track <laughs> to yeah. get through. Especially because everyone is different. And that's yeah. something else that, okay, if you want to say no experience, I didn't have an Instagram page before wow. this. I was Like a, not a personal one? Not even a personal wow. one. I had Twitter, I had Facebook, okay. Snapchat, but Instagram, for whatever reason, I didn't. Interesting. You didn't had Snapchat you. before Instagram. Yeah. See, and I've <laughs> never been into Snapchat. Like, Me I think too. I created one, and I've looked at it, like, two times. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I am so addicted to the filters. I don't post them. Yeah, yeah. But it's fun to just look at yourself. <laughs> <laughs> like, I look good with bunny ears. Yeah, like, oh, okay, yeah, I do better. <laughs> but, um... So yeah, so even that and learning that, for instance, not one post works well on every platform. Uh -huh. What I post on Facebook doesn't necessarily translate to Twitter, and Twitter doesn't necessarily transfer, you know, tr translate to Instagram as well as far as engagement. And But even then, like I said, I didn't have Instagram. So if you want to say zero experience, fine, but it's not like I was not on social media at right. all. It's not that I had nowhere to start from, and I think if we look at where we are starting from is more empowering than looking at where we don't. There's a saying, um, it's the start that stops most people. And mm -hmm. if we can get past the start, it's kind of easier. We can just keep going and going and growing from that. We're like both writing down. It's the start that, <laughs> say that again, it's, it's the, the start st that stops people. That's really, mm -hmm. yeah, I like that. It's very, very true. And so I think when you really have an anchor of saying, this is what I know, let's not ignore what you don't know and how to reach out and fill those gaps and who to contact for that information. But let's start with what we know and go from there. Yeah. And, and I, I like that quote a lot. It's a start that stops most people. And I think as part of that, people, if they're going to you know, create something new, they think about the finished ideal version of it like what is like mm -hmm. what could what's like the this were the dream thing mm -hmm. what does it look oh i can't attain that tomorrow so and i'm stuck okay. and i can't yeah. start yeah. but they don't get past the okay well okay what can you do like tomorrow what's the what's the mv the minimum viable product of this thing what's the smallest way you can execute this yeah um when i mean the first episode of this podcast with my uh, original co-host, Martin, we had a, a voice memo app on the iPhone. We were on vacation in Belize and in the hotel room with, the, with Matt, who was, on, who was our guest. Actually, was just a guest again on the show. <laughs> uh, and we just hit record. 
like, all right, let's, and actually even before that, we, him and Martin and I, we weren't sure like how we wanted to execute the show yet. So we we're like, our original idea was let's just be him and I just talk every episode, no guests. And we'll pick different topics to talk about and we'll do it like while at a diner and it'll have this kind of like natural like vibe to it. Mm. You know, you'll hear like the coffee machine in the background. So <laughs> same thing. Like it sounds little... very romantic <laughs> and I feel like I'm sure really annoying <laughs> Well, you know, we had this the, the voice memo app on the iPhone open and we could record and conversation quality was okay. We realized we could probably use a third person here. Um, and then on top of that, we were like, well, it's kind of stupid that you can hear me chewing every other word. <laughs> and then it's actually really loud and this doesn't work unless like, you know, we're not Jerry Seinfeld doing coffee with uh, coffee and cars with comedians. But even then you started with what you had and then you reviewed it and then you readjusted, you pivoted. Right. And one thing I like when people, like you said, that big ideal, that end product everybody wants that's probably not achievable tomorrow. I always say Facebook is on like its hundredth update, right? Like right. no matter yeah. how big you are, if they if they didn't start until today, this hundredth whatever update, our world would be different. We wouldn't have Facebook. You right. have to kind of get that MVP, that minimum product out there. And then you can just regroup as necessary. Yeah, that's definitely how I felt going into everything that I'm doing was that I just had to start like, I, I was really nervous at the beginning, like, it's not going to be pretty enough. Like, I don't want to buy a really expensive camera because I don't know, like, I don't know where this is going and I don't, I'm, I'm not a photographer. And so, and a good photographer friend of mine was like, honestly, you just like, you know, pick up some tips and tricks here and there. Like, you, you know, use natural light. You know, there's a couple of like great editing apps that are either like free or like a dollar ninety nine that you can you know do little like brightening things here and there. Um, you know, and and just start to like get to know your iPhone camera a lot better than you ever did before, and maybe get a nicer mm -hmm. iPhone, which I still need. Well, now that <laughs> new one, the iPhone actually. I know yeah, now. That's she, insane. Yeah, she yeah. was like, honestly, if you get that, like, you do not even need a like fancy professional camera, you know. And and that I think had me really nervous at the beginning, and now. Sure, my pictures aren't going to be absolutely the most beautiful things you've ever seen, but they're good enough, at least for now. And eventually, I'll probably look back and be like, that's funny that I thought those were good, but whatever. <laughs> you know, like I'm getting started, I'm doing it. And so, I, yeah, there's definitely um, an element of just being like, well, what can I actually start with and just do it? By the way, I called, I've been calling it for years. The 10th iPhone will be iPhone X and not iPhone 10. Really? Oh, wow. Well, I might even have said it on, on the show wow. at that point. Because I was like, doesn't make, it, iPhone 10 doesn't sound catchy. It makes yeah. it sound old at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, iPhone, right. X, yeah. iPhone X is the same thing. And then I think eventually they'll just start calling it the Apple phone. Like, that'll be the next like, set of phones. Because <laughs> wow. everything else is... Heard it here first. Right? right? It's not the iWatch, it's the Apple Watch. It's not iPay, it's Apple Pay. True. Yeah. Raj, you're on to something. Right. What up, Tim Cook? <laughs> <laughs> That idea, though, of like, you, you talked about Facebook, right? It has all these features. I was actually, I was literally, I was just giving a talk a couple weeks ago, and I mentioned this same kind of idea where uh, I used Uber as the example. Where, what does Uber have today? Uber X, Uber Pool, Uber Black, Uber SUV, Uber Eats, sometimes like Uber Puppies and Uber Ice Cream, right? The first thing they had was just like in San Francisco, can we prove that people will use their phone to have this Lincoln Town car come pick them up? Okay, we proved that. Can we prove, like, will, 
let's that's like the next thesis question or hypothesis. Will people use their phone to have a taxi come pick them up? Yes. Okay, now we've added that. Will people use their phone to have a stranger pick them up in their personal car? Yes. Okay. Will people use their phone to have a stranger pick them up and potentially have other strangers in the car with them? Yes. And it was, you know, it's a slow build. You prove one theory, you, you test one behavior. When you've proven that that behavior can actually be learned or, or will take effect, then you add the next thing and so on and so forth. But the reality is, you know, now it's got, you know, 18 different ride options, right? And I think now like Lyft has like basically like a more like bus stop style service. I can't remember what it's called. Line. Oh, Lyft exactly. Line and Uber Pool, right? No, no, Lyft Line is still the pooling option, right? But Maybe. they have something else. But they have a bus? new one that's like, yeah, it's like it'll only stop at like this corner and that corner. Oh my corner. god! Yeah, that's um, hilarious. So it's just like a normal like public. Like it has road. a route. Yes, yes, exactly. So I don't remember what it's called, but all of these things, right? If they launched with all of those features, no one would have used it, right? Because they have to get comfortable and familiar with something, which is you know to kind of bring back that point. If you just execute that baseline version first, you get people familiar with this new behavior or this modified behavior. And then once they're already in the realm of that behavior, you introduce a new feature that is not really a change of behavior. It's just like the next natural step within that learned behavior. One thing that actually came to mind like when we were first talking about this question at the beginning, and this is a little bit different than what we've been talking about, but I feel like when, so I worked in corporate, um, corporate world in corporate America for like five years before I left last year. Um, and I feel like as a young person starting out, a lot of times you see these like, you know, analysts, like, you know, lower level jobs and they're like five years of experience. And you're like, okay, I have one, but like, that's what you're hiring for. You know, you're hiring like an entry level job that you're saying for these. So there's that kind of like always that, well, what do I, you know, how do I um, look back on other things that I've done that aren't like specific, specifically this, but I can, you know, make those seem like relevant experience. And I feel like that was sort of the first understanding that, for me that you know you have to look at other things you've done outside of that field and say okay how can i turn this into relevant experience exactly because like my example with design designing wireframes is like oh this is kind of like designing wedding albums i have to make it look pretty and right. flow and use it you know it's just that connection um in language i don't know if they still call it this but language learning it was bridging you learn mm -hmm. a new word, you bridge it to something you already know, so yeah. you remember it easier. And sign language was like the easiest to do that because every sign was kind of related to something you visual that you could see. Right. So it's, it just makes it easier to connect the dots and feel like you do know more, not, not necessarily more than you know, but be more comfortable with what you're learning and yep. doing. Can you explain that a little bit more? I don't know if I'm following that, I guess, in the sign language perspective. So in sign language, if you're learning a sign, and I'll just show you one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lovely, we're doing an audio podcast. <laughs> you guys can visualize that. Visualize. So the sign for boy is like you're tipping your hat, right? For boy? For boy. Okay. Because back, you know, back in the day, gentlemen, when they saw a lady, they would tip their hat to her. So it's a oh, really, okay. so that's bridging. It's like, I know this, so it makes it easier to learn and remember this other, mm -hmm. this new thing. And the whole language for me is like that. Well, yeah. What if we have a cultural shift and men start curtsying to women? 
then we've got a real problem on our hands. Then we have to change sign. Well, I went to Korea, I went to Korea for a few months, and their sign language, of course, is KSL, Korean Sign Language. Yeah. And their sign for boy is the middle finger, because typically... Oh. Typically, you're pissed off at this. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of that. But no, because it's the tallest finger, and stereotypically, in oh, a sexist way, guys are, quote-unquote, taller than girls. So that's Whoa. why they do that. So yeah, so it's so interesting being in a different... Where that means something different for us, but I go over there, and it's like, yeah, everyone's using their middle fingers. <laughs> Like like how like like this like literally like how we, yes like flip Just, the bird exactly <laughs> that's amazing. there's a live demo here yeah. <laughs> I didn't I mean it makes sense I didn't even think to myself that you would have different sign language languages I mean like obviously oh but I just like I mean it's not something I've ever explored before that is so interesting yeah. and I know it's called American Sign Language and for some reason I think I can go to a whole different country and, and that you're going to be able to <laughs> no, the universal yeah. language yeah. No. typical American thinking everyone knows English exactly I was like oops and I pride myself on not being that person I was that person <laughs> so yeah that's crazy what do you find um, so in terms of stand-ins development now, um, you know, like what phase is the company in at this point? Well, we're launched. We're launched as of January on iOS and Android. We're we have users, we have requests, and now we're just trying to fully penetrate the Chicago market. Okay, so now I would think the challenge is basically growth market. Yes. Okay, so how are you able to leverage? And I don't know if your background is in growth marketing, but what's like the what's the zero experience version of this next phase? The zero experience version of this is still learning. Um, I'm having fun. I'm learning who I know is good at it and reaching out to them for advice, working on getting investors on board. We've had a few conversations, so that's looking hopeful. Um, that is something I would like to throw someone with more experience at, which causes a little more money. But as of now, learning social media, learning to get free growth versus targeted paid advertising. Yeah. Well, and even like that approach. So I was talking with you know, this group of business owners I'm in like a mastermind partnership with where like we have a once a month accountability call. Mm -hmm. Have our goals, did we meet them? What uh, what challenges do we need to like have the group discuss and help us with? Uh, and one of the things one of the other business owners was talking about was like um, she actually is trying to ramp up like social media presence. She doesn't really have the time for it, so she's like, should I get an intern for that? And we're like, well, but if you do that, like you just have to like micromanage the intern. And if you actually want to like do this well, probably someone probably an intern with less experience than you in social media is not going to be much help or anything like that. So. And kind of what we came to was if you're gonna even if you're gonna like whoever you're gonna hire for this stuff, or maybe it was sales actually not You've got to have almost like some type of framework you can give them so that they can execute it well. And it's not just like, a, okay, I hired this person. Go ahead. Do your job. They need, like, you've got to like at least right. learn like the baseline of it. And that's something I've learned because I've actually done that before um, earlier in the season. And the person was awesome, really nice. And they come from a social media background. Um, they've worked for someone before, but I, said, but I realized really quickly there's a difference between working with someone who already has a built-in audience and growing an audience. That it's a whole new ball game. Yeah. And even that experience is like, okay, you can't. 
throw out a name. So if it's Oprah, she tweets out, I sneeze today, she's going to get a million likes, right? <laughs> but you don't have a million people following you at this point, and you're growing that. And, you know, learning, sometimes my, my experience is just like, oh, these are the people I follow and that I like, and let me see what they're doing. And sometimes my biggest experience and skill is just copying other people. It's oh, like, yeah. you know what? Borrow and tweak. Borrow and tweak. <laughs> like, okay, this works for you. With still being true to myself and who yeah. I am in my company, like, you know, I might not use this approach or tactic, but let me see why it works for you. Let me see if it'll work for me or why it won't work for me and go from there. Yeah. And I think as well, um, you know, you mentioned the, you don't have the Oprah's million followers or whatever, right? I actually think it gives you more license to test and play around with things because if not many people are paying attention yet, the screw up, you know, that this didn't work, it doesn't, it doesn't have that big of an impact. And I think so many people are, you know, in the early days of a business, like you think the world is watching you, but in reality, like no one cares yet. <laughs> no one knows you. <laughs> yeah, no one's paying attention, no one cares. And that's actually a liberating thing. You know, you're trying to get to the point where people care, but you can, you know, you have that sandbox then to figure out this is the right path to go. And then now people are following around, let's keep going down that route. Right. Yeah. And I think something kind of like that, but probably a little off topic is. Welcome to the show. <laughs> going off topic. <laughs> it's a show built on going off topic. <laughs> because I really, I really say, okay, start with what you know, start with what you know. But sometimes it does mean you have to recognize what you don't know. And I remember with my developers, I would tell them, this is what I want to happen. And this is the time frame I would like it to happen in. But I don't do your job. So you have to let me know if I'm being unreasonable. Is this even possible? You know, just as long as there's open communication. I mean, truth with yourself and that humility to say, okay, I don't know everything. I can't do everything. And if there's someone else on your team really getting their feedback, because there's some things where I'm like, I want this, this, and that. Let me know if it's possible, blah, blah, blah. They're like, yeah, I did it while we were on the phone. It's done. And other things, it's like, <laughs> um, no, that's going to be two weeks because this and this and this is also... Right involved in that like okay so let's pause for a moment for this quick announcement different than what you're normally used to hearing it's time sensitive as well raj nation innovation has been selected as a finalist for the chicago red eyes big idea awards the big idea awards are where chicago's top entrepreneurs innovators and dreamers present their big ideas across food and drink art and design giving back and tech and apps the grand prize winners receive fifteen thousand dollars worth of advertising campaign and strategy from the Chicago Tribune Media Group. Yours truly is a finalist in art and design. And if you've been listening to the show, you know I help startups with their pitch. You know I'm a rapper. I've decided to combine the two and create a hip hop album for the startup community about the entrepreneurship journey and how to raise startup capital. Think of it like schoolhouse rock for startup life. I'm really pumped for it, but I need your help. The award show goes down on Monday, November 6th at 6.30 p.m. at Untitled Supper Club. You can buy tickets right now at www.thebigideaawards.com and enter code BIA17 for $5 off your ticket. Now, by coming to the event that night, you just might vote for my idea and help make the hip-hop album Raise Up from Raj Nation Innovation a reality. Getting a ticket not only gets you access to, well, ideally voting on my idea, but also you get past and stationed appetizers, two Gentleman Jack cocktails, a Brooklyn Brewery beer, 
access to the keynote talk from Spot Heroes Mart Lawrence, an opportunity to vote for your favorite big idea, access to interactive experiences with event partners and sponsors, as well as an opportunity to win a free iPad. I could use your support. I would greatly appreciate it. I hope to see you there. Again, the website is www.thebigideaawards.com. Use promo code BIA17 to get $5 off your ticket to make it a $20 ticket overall. And the event goes down at Untitled Supper Club on November 6th, 6.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. I hope to see you there. Thank you in advance for supporting the show. Now, let's get back to the show. Well, and a big help with that, too, is sort of using the sign language illusion here, but learning to speak that realm's language. You don't need to know how to do the thing, but like, if you can speak to a designer in the language of Photoshop, it makes it a lot easier process. Like, I, I was a graphic design minor in college, never had the intent of being a professional graphic designer. But I knew I was going to get into marketing in some way, and I was like, well, I should probably know how the design aspect works, so when I'm having a designer mock something up, I can talk to them in a way that they right. understand. Like, I know what a flattened PSD file, you know, exactly. like those kinds of things. And it's not going to be this, like, you know, I'm talking English. I was going to say, I'm talking American. I'm talking English. Speaking. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm Raj, talking Raj, American. talk bad. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm like cringing over here. I'm speaking English and they're speaking French. It's like we're both able to be on the same plane. It only, you know, took a, obviously like getting a minor in that, but probably even with like a couple classes I could know. Right. You know, what's the what's the reality? We had this issue come up and during development and it was so funny because they had said, Oh, we thought if you wanted it you would have said something and I'm like, How would I know what I I wouldn't even know what to ask, right? And then we're, we're discussing things and they said, you know, the way you organize everything and as involved as you are, we thought you had more experience in tech than you apparently do. And I think that just goes to show that if you do start with what you know, it can go a lot further than you think. Yes. And I think a little bit of this too is not necessarily being conceited about it, but just making the assumption that you do have some knowledge of this thing. And trust me, there is a huge benefit into going into something green when it's like a learning environment. But in this case, you're trying to like lead a team. Obviously you wanna learn from them, but you could approach that conversation and be like, tell me everything, I know nothing. Or you could approach that conversation and say, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Here's how I think it might get done what are your thoughts, right? Right, because one, you're coming from a position of leadership, which you have to have when you're leading people, and the other one, you're coming, I don't want to necessarily say weakness, but people don't have is, the though. faith in you to say, oh, you can help us accomplish this goal, and that's what everyone needs. Right, and again, like there are, there are times when just like the straight up, mm -hmm. I know nothing, I'm learning mindset works, right. when it's a, I would say when you're not leading the team, <laughs> that, you know, that's when it might make sense. And this, now that we're talking, I think this is hilarious, but I'm going to use this as an example, um, talking about experience and just kind of knowing what you're doing in general. I, prior, I was in insurance for close to eight years. I've never once sold insurance. 
I've <laughs> only been in operations. So if you ask me anything personal about your policy, I can't help you. you no, know, not right. I know nothing after eight years. But what I did know and do very well is organize teams, lead teams. You tell me what you need, and I can tell you how we're going to get it done efficiently because that's what I'm good at. I didn't need to know the details of your job in order to help you do it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And that's a big, I mean, when you think about leadership itself, that's a big step towards, or a big step away from feeling a need to micromanage and trust that people can do their respective jobs, which I think a lot of people struggle with. And I think, I'll tell you one thing I struggle with is delegating. I'm like historically <laughs> terrible at delegating work. Um, I feel like I need to have like my personal touch on everything. And actually even just a couple of days ago, I was talking to someone and he was like, have you thought about maybe just like outsourcing the editing of the podcast to someone else? Like find someone abroad who can do it for really cheap. And I was like, basically, they just need to like listen to like a few of your episodes to get the un- to understand mm-hmm. how it goes. They can drop in those clips when they need to drop in those clips. And then you can just record that introduction and you'd save yourself a few hours every week. And I was like, fuck yeah. And he was like, why don't you just try it for a few episodes? And I was like, okay, I think maybe I can try that. Yeah. Uh, and I and I think it's because sometimes you do need your time back, and you know, in the beginning, and you don't have experience, or you're still learning and growing. You you are so passionate and involved, but when you give those little things to someone else, quote unquote little things, you know, mm-hmm. something that someone else is very capable of doing to someone else. It frees you up to work on other parts, whether it's getting sponsors or getting the word out there. Right. You're not. I'll put it this way. Just recently, we showed we shot a commercial for a, a YouTube video for a stand-in, and it was Third Wheel Entertainment. They did an awesome job, and I helped. You know, they told me what they needed. That's what I'm good at. I'm listening to you. I'm getting that arranged. This is my experience. I don't know anything about videos and actresses, and but I know what you're telling me you need, and I'm going to make that happen. So they do this great thing, and then coming to editing, they're asking me all these questions. I'm like. Oh, I trust you. <laughs> like, you know, this was your Wait, opinion, give your us idea. some direction, yeah. please. Yeah, like do what you think is best. And I find this is true with a lot of people. If you just tell them, tell me what you like, you'll hear dead silence. But if you tell them, look at this and tell me what you think, they can tell you what they like and what they don't like when you have something in front of them. So I'm like, just do whatever you feel is the best cut of all of this. Show that to me and we'll go from there. Yeah. Or ask someone, tell me what you hate. Because people know, people more often know what they don't like (laughs) like than they know what they do like. But you still have to put something in front of them to say that. So if you just ask me, again, what do you want all the edits to look like? I don't know. I haven't (laughs) seen anything yet. But once you show it to me, yeah, I can tell you what I like, what I don't like, what I think can be better. And we did that five times, right? We had five renditions of it. Asking people to be really creative in a way that isn't necessarily their expertise is Mm -hmm. like a very daunting task to ask of people. And I think that sometimes you're like, that's not the most fruitful way to do something as opposed to like, yeah, giving sort of, okay, here's a couple of options. Like if knowing that you are not an expert in, you know, putting videos together. Yeah. Yeah. Coming back to that podcast thing, the editing thing, the, the quote I wrote down that my friend said was, so I was, I had told him how I'm, generally spending you know a few hours on a Saturday or Sunday to mm-hmm. edit this and get it online and everything which is quite frankly annoying <laughs> <laughs> yeah Saturday summertime Chicago <laughs> right and he goes 
is the editing that you're specifically doing on Saturdays. So like, let's say someone listens to the show and decides they want to reach out and either be a guest or maybe even like work with me and hire me. He said, is the editing you're specifically doing on Saturdays, is it generating a lead that otherwise you wouldn't have gotten if someone else edited the show? He's like, could that same lead potentially find you if someone else edited the show? And I was like, well, I guess you're right. Like, they're not, like no one's like, ooh, his editing skills are great, which quite <laughs> honestly, they're average at best. <laughs> and then they're like, that's why I want to talk to him. They're just, that's not the selling point at the end of the day. It's like, they like the personality, they think I'm knowledgeable in something, mm-hmm. and then they want to talk. But that, for, like, when he framed it like that, I was like, okay, maybe I can shell out a little bit to just have someone else run the uh, you know, post-production of this thing. Let's shift gears here for a second and talk about stand-in itself. So, um, you know, as I understand it, this is an app. It's almost like a friend-finding app, right? To, like, have someone to do something with when you can't find anyone else. Stand-in. Yeah. It sounds like. (laughs) Exactly. So that's, as I understand, that's kind of the surface-level understanding of it. Can you tell our listeners why it's about more than just, like, having a friend for an activity? Sure. Well, and you summed it up great. We, what we tend to say is um, when your friends can't join you, you get a stand-in. You find someone else to do that activity with you. And part of it for me, it's the brilliance of connecting new friends and eliminating boredom and getting out into your city. Like I've, one of my newest best friends that we met when the app first came out in January, we're still best friends to this day. Like she's very active in my life. And I mean, we're just Like you met her through the app. I met her through the app. We went to a comedy show on a Friday. On a Sunday, we were at brunch. The next week I was helping her paint her living room. We're going to the Cubs opening games. It was just, you know, it was a real friendship. But one thing I just noticed is, um, and I started doing these on Instagram pictures. It's like, oh, when you make new friends, you get to do this thing that you wouldn't have done before. Like, you know, I, I was on a boat modeling tools and I was, in a fashion show because I met people, you know, it's like it takes us outside of our worlds and gets us new experiences. Like we're connecting because we both want to do this activity and we're both free that day and time. But now I have a whole new experience. I've been to a place in the city I've never done before. I have a different viewpoint in the life and it's you know in the life of someone else. And it's just amazing. Just the things I've done that I would have never done had I not reached out and met someone new. And it seems like I'm just thinking about it from like my own perspective. I feel like there's often like a big goal of mine is to like be going to more events and more like networking things. But I hate the idea of going to something alone. Like I hate the idea of that. Um, And you know, it's not always easy to find a friend or you know another person who happens to be available, who happens to be interested in that exact event. So I feel like not even necessarily just finding new things, but like actually finding the courage to go to just the things you I was already wanting to, wanting to go to yes. or need to go to. And that's what we encourage. Like We encourage, like, this is your schedule. These are, like, the five things you're doing this month, and these two, you don't have a friend to go. Put it on the app. Make a new yeah. friend, and they'll, you know, they'll come with you. And like you said, you get to do that thing. Networking events, it's so funny. If I go by myself, I literally talk to no one because yeah. I'm, like, kind of, I'm kind of shy, and I'll sit in the corner and just wait to see what happens. But... If I go with someone else, then I'm talking to everyone. I don't know what it is. It's that courage of having that partner with you or, you know. Yeah. So I'm more outgoing if there's someone with me at networking events. And then you mentioned just events in the city. There's so many things I want to do, and sometimes I don't. It's like, yeah, I want to go, but only if someone goes with me and Mm -hmm. no one's going with me. So if I put it in the app, 
and someone goes, I'm like, oh yeah, great. Now I have like someone to have this memory with. And holds you accountable to like actually go because now there's someone else depending on you going. (laughs) So you can't be like, and now I'm kind of tired. I don't want to go like how someone else is, you know, can you go? Back in February, I think it was maybe March. I, uh, Sam Trump from Sidewalk Shock was playing a show at uh, Untitled in, mm-hmm. in downtown Chicago. I called or texted, I think I counted 42 people <laughs> in my phone. Mm-hmm. Even to the extent of like someone who I don't really like want to go, go with. with. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, oh, well, maybe. 42 people are already busy or maybe they just don't like me or they just didn't want to go or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't go. And I also, I'll say a lot of times I do go to things alone. I don't mind it. But like this is a scenario where I was like, eh, Untitled's kind of douchey. Like I don't want to go there like by myself. Yeah. I'd like to have someone who's guaranteed non-douche with me. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but I couldn't find anyone. <laughs> so I think this would be an example of using stand-in, right? Exactly. Um, and, I've, and I've used it in situations like that. And that kind of that was the concept. Like my friends are consultants and I'm like what do you want to do this oh I'm working in New York this week or they're gone or they're working night shift that's doctors and stuff and I'm like okay wouldn't it be nice if I could just send a group text to all of Chicago just to see who's in who's interested right and it's kind of like you said because then what do you do you go through your tech you you text the three people you actually wanted to go with then you text the other five that's like maybe and then you put it on Facebook just for the same five people to tell you they can't make it and you know, you have your friend in Georgia saying, oh, I would go if I was in Chicago. This is not helping me. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, this is like... This not helpful, is, you're just making me annoyed. <laughs> yes, exactly. So now you have a system where only people will reply if they're wanting to do the same activity, if they're free that day and time, mm-hmm. and think you're cool enough to go with. And in town. <laughs> and in town. City, state. By the Five way, Victoria, way. you were on that list of 42 yeah, people. Yeah, I probably was. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were out of town. Like, you always are every I weekend. I know. Um, and I think one of the key points here that you mentioned earlier is that you're not necessarily creating activities to f- and then going to that. It's like, what am I already doing that I just can't find someone to go with? Right. And that's so true, what you're already doing and you can't find someone to go with. The, the B is to that. If you are just bored and you're like, hey, I heard about this, I would go you know, if someone would go with me, kind of like you said, with the yeah. title, it's like, hey, just put that in there and see who bites. Yeah. Have you, um, you know, in, in the creation of this, in the launch and getting people on board with this, have you run into situations or have you considered if, if the situation hasn't occurred, um, you know, people, I would say specifically guys trying to use this to score dates? Oh, of course I've considered <laughs> that. I'm a female. Okay. Um, so it's not a dating app, right? And I feel like most of the people who sign up really respect it for that. But there is a built-in when you're creating your request, you can choose the gender or genders you want to see it. So mm-hmm. if as a female, I only want to go with another female. If I only select that, male users or people who identify as male won't see the request in their queue. Mm-hmm. So it, it only goes to the people who match your criteria. And that's with genders and um, age range. Okay. Have you, th- and maybe you have or haven't, do you think there's a potential like future that this actually becomes like a different type of, of dating scenario? Not at all. Um, it is marketed as a friend-finding app. People respect it as a friend-finding app. I feel we have enough dating apps, and if that's what you want, but you know, you could be, and that's the beauty of standing to me, you could be in a relationship, and I still just want to hang out with the new mm. friend. Like, hey, you seem cool. Let's go out, right? But um, 
No, I've actually had two investors interested, but they wanted to make it a dating app, and so we, I decided that wasn't a good fit mm. because that's not the goal of this. Yeah, that's an interesting thing I'd like to talk about for a second. You know, you're in the process of uh, looking to raise money for this. And I think there's a lot of startups out there who are looking to raise money, and what what they may not realize is that there has to be an alignment on vision. Mm-hmm. And because you're, you know, you, people may have heard this before. You're, it's like a marriage, right? right? And you can't have the on opposite ends of what you want in that marriage and expect to still get married to each other, right? And you have one vision for it. There may be people who want to give you money, but they want to take what you've created and make, make it, it a 180 of you know, thing exactly right. different. And if you don't want that, if you if you if your vision is this can, thing can take off in the way you see it, mm-hmm. then you're you're respecting that vision right. and finding the people who align with that. And I have two points on that. And one is just like you said, they have to be vision aligned. I've actually had guys tell me like this would be great as a dating app because you know you you text back and forth on these apps and then you might meet for coffee three months later just to find you're not interested. But to have someone just there when I want them, like yeah, that's not life. You know what I mean? And it's probably why you're single. But we're go there. Um, <laughs> Talk about a commanding personality to yeah. have someone just there, there. when I say yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like you said, that's not in line, so you have to learn to walk away with that. And my boyfriend at the time when the app started, like creation, and people were interested in investing a bit, his advice was great. It's not only about getting investors that are in line with your goals, but getting investors when you actually need them. And he just said, he calls me Kimmy, and he said, Kimmy, if you can do this without gaining investors right now. If you can get it developed out of your own pocket, why give away equity right now? You don't even know what it's going to become or if you don't want to be married to someone else's ideas. Right now you have full control if you can afford to do it that way. And I was like, you know what? He's right. And he said, you know, as long as you can pay people to do the job, but get money for equity mm-hmm. and stuff and when you need it. So you don't always, to me, you might not always need money right away. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, I, I'm an advocate of bootstrap for as long as you can, perhaps forever. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, when it makes sense. And you'll, you'll find, too, like I heard, a, I heard this panel discussion from a, couple, from a handful of investors a few weeks ago where someone from the Pritzker group said, like, the money we give you should be to accelerate what you're already doing well. Mm-hmm. Like you're hitting the gas pedal. It shouldn't be the reason you can build the car finally. It should just be to, to press on the gas. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think, well, I can't even get started unless I have the money. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, no, but there's that minimum version you can put out there, right? right. Can you figure out wireframes well, on your own? Can you get some prove users? that it yeah. could potentially be a thing. Have yeah. a drawing on a napkin, something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Also, I think what that guy was thinking of that you were mentioning before, it sounds like an escort service. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of what, what yeah. that guy was maybe yeah. thinking of. So it came into my yeah. head. Right. And I think on that note, and I think this is for me, and you know, I'm, I'm a little biased, but I think friendships are important in this world right now. It's easy to find a way to get in contact with potential business and romantic, but then our friendships, mm-hmm. we don't really have something out there to pursue a friendship. It's like, I either have to want to do business with you or 
have sex with you. Like those are, those are <laughs> You're the right, things, though. right? Sex yes. and money. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, well, wait, I'm just new to the city, or my friends are busy, or I just need right. friendships. Yeah. And I mean, there's plenty of studies that show that the closer your friendship circle is, the longer and happier you live. Mm-hmm. And but yet there's no way to really get in touch with them. And you'll see, too, um, there are a lot of people who will talk about how it's really hard to meet friends after college. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think they should put themselves out there a little bit more, but now there's an accessory, this app that can actually encourage them to do so. Mm-hmm. Where can our listeners find Standin and how can they get in touch with you? Okay, well, Standin is on both iOS and Android, so feel free to download and use it. And you can get in touch with me, our website, everything social is Get a Standin. Awesome. At Get a Standin. At Get a Standin across all social. All right. So if you have a if you have a concert you're going to this weekend and you don't have a film to go with, why don't you get a standin? Get a standin. <laughs> or brunch or bowling or drinks. Like whatever. Painting night. There you go. Okay, so let's wrap up the conversation then. Our topic question today was how do you start? with zero experience. We'll go one by one to answer this. We'll start with Victoria. How do you start with zero experience? I think it's pretty simple. You just have to identify the fact that you do have experience doing something and it might not look like this new thing you're trying to do, but if you are a living, breathing human who's done something else before, (laughs) you can probably figure out how it's related. Um, And to just sort of be open-minded to give yourself a little bit more credit than you probably do. Um, a lot of times at the beginning of something new, thinking, I'm an amateur, I don't know what I'm doing. Just being open to the fact that you know something. Yeah, in line with that last point you made, I'll add, acknowledge if you have this imposter syndrome. And I think once you acknowledge that, it helps me, okay, well, maybe I do have more to give this and I do there is something I can do. The other thing I'll say too, we didn't really talk about it, but it's what I was thinking um, towards the end was, uh, I think if you, if, if there's a situation you're about to embark on, this idea you wanna build, and you feel lost or you don't know where to start, or you feel like you don't have any experience, put yourself in the frame of reference of, if someone else was doing this, what advice would you give them? Because usually, if you take a step away from it, and you are looking at, okay, well, what if this wasn't you? What if this was someone else? You have a more clear head about it, and you can actually be like, well, I probably told them to first do this, and then this, and then this. And then that, those can be your first three steps. Exactly. Kim, uh, how do you start with zero experience? You start. You start with what you know and build from there. You, you climb the tallest mountain by taking the first step. Right on. Kim Jackson. Standing in on the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That wrapped up our conversation with Kimberly Jackson. Kimberly, thank you so much for joining us and standing in on the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. Did you, the listener, enjoy this episode? If so, the best compliment you can give us is a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews help more people find the show. Therefore, more people get to discover their inner awesomes. While you're leaving that review, go ahead and subscribe to the show on whatever platform it is you listen to, whether that is iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, or the various other platforms in which you can find our show. For full show notes, references, and resources, as well as Kim's contact information, grab it all at www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. While you're on the site, go ahead and browse through and listen through 
our nearly 100 episode archive. That's right, we are closing in on the century mark. A lot of awesome conversations have happened over the past almost 100 episodes. Yes, the pun was intended there. That'll do it for this one. Thank you again to Kimberly Jackson for joining us. For Victoria Cohen, I am Raj Nation. You have been listening to the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. We will see you next time. But in the meantime, take care and be awesome today. My baby's sweet, I mean she's sweeter than all outdoors. Love pours through my veins and I'm us. My pores won't you and I need you. Won't you come and see me? I won't.